On this episode of Fantasy NFL Today, that's right, we're breaking down the Jacksonville Jaguars as we continue our trek through the AFC South. Does the number one overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft hold value for fantasy teams? The Golden Boy, Goldilocks, Trevor Lawrence, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Are we taking him as a QB1 or is he better suited as a QB2? I don't think many fantasy owners are ready to admit this, but has running back James Robinson's value completely evaporated? And which one of these wide receivers will benefit greatly with the new quarterback? All of these questions will be answered, so slap a pair of jorts on, jump in that cabana, and let's get started. Welcome to Fantasy NFL Today, presented by Hoopball. Today is Wednesday, July 21st. I am your host, Anthony Germain, and you can find me on Twitter at the Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Talking Sunday, all one word on Twitter. Last Monday, we packed our bags and headed down south in the AFC and covered everything you need to know about the Houston Texans. If you missed it, or any other episodes, be sure to go back and check them out. We need everyone to be caught up and ready to go so you can dominate your drafts and leave your opponents in the dust. Lots of great sleepers, lots of great gems for you to score late in your drafts. These are the guys that will help you win your leagues, help you get to the playoffs, and make that final push towards the championship. You're not winning your league in round one, round two, or round three. You win in round seven, eight, nine, and ten, especially with wide receivers. So be sure you're caught up here on Fantasy NFL Today, presented by Hoopball. Mrs. Clear, I don't... Call me cat. Okay, cat. Call me kitty cat. Where the big kitty cats roam. The Jacksonville Jaguars. We are here. We have made a touchdown where it seems that this team for the past decade or so cannot get out of its own way. Just three seasons ago on the verge of their first Super Bowl appearance with a championship roster minus the quarterback, the boat, Blake Bortles, they decided to blow the whole thing up. And here we are again, again and again and again. The same old Jags finishing in the bottom five year in and year out. This time it got so bad that they wound up with the number one overall pick finishing dead last in the league. Some may even call it a tank job as the writing was on the wall heading into the 2020 season when they cut or traded most of their top talent on the roster and retained the lame duck head coach Doug Marone. It was obvious to anyone with a keen eye what was going on. The tank was in, and with a little help from our good old pal Adam Gase and Sammy and the Jets, it worked. Locked, stocked, and loaded with that number one pick, they enter the offseason and blow the whole goddamn thing up to smithereens. They brought in a new GM to oversee operations and scored the biggest head coaching acquisition, the college guru himself, Mr. Urban Meyer. 
He's one of the greatest college coaches of all time and one of the premier football minds to ever do it. Winning championships at power schools like Florida and Ohio State. As always with college coaches, we have to wait and see if it translates to the NFL. We've seen great coaches like Nick Saban take a shot, Chip Kelly take a shot, Greg Schiano, Lane Kiffin, Bobby Petrino, Steve Spurrier. These were some really good college coaches that have failed and fallen flat on their face at the NFL level. But one advantage Myers has as he makes his debut in the NFL, he enters with the perfect opportunity as he set up instantly with his quarterback. Something that a lot of these prior college coaches have never had the chance to get. Now, Urban says he won't call plays, so he was able to bring over offensive coordinator Daryl Bavell from the Detroit Lions, whose last year's offense finished 10th overall in the rankings. Under Bavell, the Lions passing game ranked 9th in explosive plays, and Stafford ranked third in the NFL in average depth of target. Bavell's offense rushed at the 11th highest rate from inside the five-yard line, and Meyer has a track record of leveraging quarterbacks as rushing threats. And no, I am not speaking of the mustache mania frenzy that took over North Florida with Mr. Gardner Minshew. Of course, I'm talking about the number one overall pick in the 2021 draft, Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson. We've all heard about Trevor Lawrence for years. In fact, the first time I heard of Trevor Lawrence was when he was still in high school. And this was over four or five years ago. We all have heard of the whispers. The golden boy. Goldilocks. He's coming out. He's coming up. The greatest thing since sliced bread. And some of that may be true. He's graded out as the greatest prospect since Andrew Luck. But rookie quarterbacks still take time to develop. Just look at Peyton Manning's first season with the Colts. When he threw 26 touchdowns and a Jameis Winston-esque 28 interceptions. So regardless of who you are or how talented you may be, there's still an overall learning curve to the NFL. So when we look at Trevor Lawrence as a fantasy prospect, is he worth rostering on our teams in redraft standard half-point PPR 10-12 to 12 man leagues. Well, for starters, Jacksonville still owns one of the worst defensive teams in the league. So regardless of how often Urban Meyer wants to establish that running game, it just might not be possible. So Lawrence should still benefit from a pass-heavy attack. Now the sneaky thing here with Trevor is his ability to get outside the pocket and use his legs. He possesses sneaky speed and has a habit for vulturing goal line touchdowns. He averaged about five rushing touchdowns per season from inside the 10 yard line during his time at Clemson. So his sneaky rushing upside makes him the perfect candidate to be a late round quarterback and you can take a gamble on him as your QB too. Again, if you're following my draft strategy, you want to set yourself up with a premier quarterback and you want to start looking for that guy in about rounds five, six, or seven. Then as we get through the draft and towards the back end, we really want to take a backup quarterback that's bolstering with potential. And Trevor Lawrence is exactly that. So with his current ADP sitting as an early 10th round pick as the QB 14 overall, Trevor Lawrence is a phenomenal option for you to back up your QB1 and he should get better and better and better as the season goes on.
But the interesting thing here, again, to keep in mind is that he will vulture goal line carries due to his size and athleticism. So how does that affect the running backs on this team? Well, it should be a lot different from what we saw last year because with their second first round pick, Jacksonville did the forbidden thing. The forbidden thing that is shunned upon in NFL circles, in fantasy circles, and mocked by analytical people, but they went ahead and did it anyway. They drafted Travis Etienne with the number 25 overall pick, who happened to serve as Lawrence's running back in Clemson. So the two are attached. They're very familiar with each other and have also connected for over 100 receptions. You can bet your top dollar that he will be viewed as the clear favorite to lead the team in running back snaps because first round running backs don't sit. The backfield will certainly begin the season as a committee, but ETN will benefit most from receptions and goal line work based off his usage in college. He notched the most carries inside the five-yard line among college running backs since 2018. And because of that, plus his ability to catch the ball, you can lock him in for at least a floor of 12 to 15 touches per game, which makes him very fantasy relevant. As Meyer said, ETN is going to be the third down back. He's going to be heavily involved in the passing game, and he needs to be cherished in PPR formats. I would say temper your expectations for ETN to start the season, but keep in mind that the longer the season goes on, he'll have potential to be a borderline RB1 by the time the fantasy playoffs are at your front door. So with that being said, ETN's current ADP sits as an early fifth round pick, which is kind of early, but usually by the time we get to the fifth round, we're looking for our RB2 or our RB3 which makes him a perfect play. I don't think it's incredible value. I think it's right where it should be. And if you want to take ETN in the fifth round, go for it because this next guy I'm about to talk about is dead. And I know there's a lot of James Robinson truthers out there. He did really well for all of his owners and they don't want to look at the truth of what's happening. And as of now, he's sitting as a late sixth round pick. In my opinion, this is the most overvalued pick in all of fantasy football this year as long as Robinson remains a Jaguar. His stock has plummeted harder than the 2008 recession with the selection of ETN. Now look, he had a great season last year despite the Jaguars being last in rushing attempts. They were last in rushing attempts and he still crushed it. That says a lot about the back. But keep in mind, he was only that productive because they gave him all the carries. He was the guy. He got 96% of the carries. 96. That's more than any other running back last year. So now with this new coaching staff, they have no attachment to him. They didn't sign up for Robinson. They get to do whatever they want. And it was pretty clear and obvious with the selection of Travis Etienne in round one. Again, nobody takes running backs in round one anymore. It was obvious that Robinson isn't going to be their guy because you can get running backs in rounds three, four, and five in the real life draft and not have to waste a first round capital on a running back. So what does that really say about James Robinson? It says that his chances of returning to being a reliable fantasy option is extremely low. It's low. And he's going as a late sixth round pick. Again, that's most likely going to be 
Most of you people out there, you're RB2 or RB3. That's not good. That's not good at all. And on top of that, they added Carlos Hyde during free agency. Now, I don't think he's going to be relevant in any way, shape, or form. But if it's anybody's touches he's going to eat into, it's going to be Robinson. Hyde has found a way to get touches on every single team he's been on so far, no matter how deep the backfield is. And keep in mind, the new offensive coordinator, Bavell, who ran that Detroit Lions backfield last year, there wasn't a bell cow. There wasn't one guy. That was a healthy rotation. Adrian Peterson, Kerryon Johnson, DeAndre Swift. And clearly, DeAndre Swift was the most talented of the bunch. But Adrian Peterson and Kerryon Johnson still continued to churn out yards and score touchdowns. James Robinson is nothing more than an Adrian Peterson or Kerryon Johnson. Whereas ETN will serve more as that DeAndre Swift role. But I think the familiarity with ETN and Lawrence is something that shouldn't be overlooked. And therefore, I think ETN has tremendous value on your fantasy rosters. Now, both these backs will be playing behind a below-average offensive line, with mainly the tackles being the weak point. Left tackle Cam Robinson has been a below-average tackle his entire career, and right tackle Jawan Taylor allowed a league high of 58 pressures, but the interior is the true strength of this Jacksonville line, anchored by center Brandon Linder, who posted the best pass-blocking grade of any center in 2020. So Lindor, combined with Norwell and Can at the guard position, give the Jaguars one of the best pass-blocking trios in the NFL, which is good for Trevor Lawrence to buy him some time and get it out to these wide receivers. And I got to tell you, I'm not liking what I'm seeing here. DJ Chark is coming off boards as the first wide receiver in Jacksonville. His current ADP sits as an early seventh round pick as the wide receiver 31 overall. I understand that he went for over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns in the 2019 season, but we saw regression from him last year under similar circumstances. Head coach Urban Meyer has already chirped about Chark's lack of playing big. He's already in the doghouse with the new head coach. I understand that Trevor Lawrence is a way better quarterback option that should be able to get the ball out cleaner to a guy like Chark, but his ADP is simply too early and I'm staying away. But the good news here is, if you like Chark, and I'm bringing you down, I know I'm killing your buzz, I'm killing your vibe, but if you like Chark, you're better off waiting for newly acquired free agent Marvin Jones, who's going in the late 11th round as the number 51 overall wide receiver. Chark and Jones have eerily, eerily similar stats over the past two seasons. They have both accumulated over 1,700 receiving yards and double-digit touchdowns. Although much older, Jones is the vastly superior value here but both of these guys will have similar mediocre fantasy outputs. But Jones is going 50 spots later than DJ Chark. Why would you waste a pick on DJ Chark in the seventh round to get the same production from Marvin Jones in the 11th round? On top of it, Jones is very familiar with the new offensive coordinator. He's played two seasons with Bevel in Detroit. This familiarity is going to give Jones the leg up. He's going to get more looks, he's going to get more targets, and he has exactly what Urban Meyer was complaining about with DJ Chark, playing big. 
Marvin Jones will go up for those contested catches and make those important catches when the team needs it most. But again, both Marvin Jones and DJ Chark are most likely going to put out mediocre fantasy points. So who the hell is going to benefit in this wide receiving core the most? Because yes, I've already told you, Trevor Lawrence is the greatest thing since sliced bread. The greatest prospect to come out of college football since Andrew Luck. Someone here has to benefit. And that guy is LaVisca Chenault. He's one of my biggest sleepers heading into the 2021 season. And he's coming off the board as a late ninth round pick as the number 43 wide receiver overall. This is the perfect spot to find your breakout receiver, guys. This is it. This is where you find your Justin Jefferson. This is where you find your A.J. Brown. And he has the biggest chance out of all these guys on this team to break out. It's all about the opportunity when given the chance. And as of now, Chenault will be starting in the slot position, and he's a complete Swiss Army knife. This guy can catch. He can run. He can block. He does it all. His metrics are off the charts. He finished second in missed tackles forced per reception and was third in total rushing attempts among all wide receivers last year. He lit the beacon for me when he finished the season strong, which to me, again, is a great indicator for success the following season. In weeks 14 through 17, he averaged 13 and a half fantasy points per game. And in his final two games, he averaged 17.2 fantasy points on 11 catches for 116 yards and three touchdowns. I've talked about this before. When a player finishes the year strong and they finally get it, they finally catch up to the speed of the NFL and they're not thinking as much. It's a great indicator of things to come. He was surprisingly elite, elite against man coverage, up there with the best of them. And he should be looked at as a prime candidate as a booming fantasy superstar. So for a late ninth round pick, we're looking at Chenault to be somewhat of the perfect flex player. You can start him in your flex position week in and week out and feel super confident about it. And the best part about it is he has potential to be your wide receiver two and possibly wide receiver one by the end of the season. These are the guys I'm giving to you. These are the guys. You want potential. It's all about potential and fantasy. You want a guy who's going to consistently get you a decent amount of points that has potential to boom and get you elite points as the season goes on. And I don't see a better candidate. And like I said, my biggest sleeper of the year, LaVisca Chenault. So when the draft night comes, crack yourself a fresca and go get you some visca. Kick your feet up, put them in the flex, and you won't be disappointed. Now, there is one more interesting wide receiver I wanted to touch on before we move to the tight ends. It's a wide receiver by the name of Colin Johnson, and I'm not sure many of you know about him, and what makes him interesting is his size. He's coming in at six foot six, so he's really tall, and weighs about 222 pounds. Now, because this team lacks tight end play, Johnson's height should give him a good amount of targets in the red zone, but that means he's touchdown dependent. And as we discussed before on this pod, 
we can't rely on touchdown-dependent players unless you're playing in a best ball league. We don't know when those touchdowns are going to come. And unless he's grabbing a touchdown on an every-other-game basis, he's not worth it. But I do think he is somebody to definitely keep an eye on in your waiver column since Urban Meyer isn't the biggest DJ Chark fan. We could see Johnson start to eat into Chark's play, kind of how we saw James Washington on the Pittsburgh Steelers eat into Chase Claypool's playing time. We could see a similar split somewhere down the road. So certainly keep an eye on him. He's going undrafted. You should not be drafting this guy at all, but just give him a little star. So he goes into your watch column. Just keep your little eye on him. And finally, as I alluded to earlier, the tight end position on this team is lackluster and kind of comical, if you ask me. They made a real controversial move during the offseason by signing Tim Tebow. Yes, Mr. Jesus himself, the God Almighty himself, Timothy Tebow is back in the NFL. So drop to a knee, slam that fist against your forehead, and giddy up. Here we go. No, stop it. Just stop it now. The man is 33 years old and hasn't played a snap in the NFL for over nine seasons. We all know the only reason he's getting a shot is because of his past time with the new head coach, Urban Meyer, and when they won a championship with the Florida Gators. Chomp, chomp. I think the idea here is to play him in that Taysom Hill role. He can run. He can catch, he can throw the ball, kind of. One of the ugliest releases I've ever seen. But having previously barreled his way for 12 rushing scores in 14 regular season starts with the Denver Broncos, I guess Meyer still thinks there's something there. Maybe he's fresh. He hasn't been banged up in the last nine years. Maybe he will score a couple touchdowns here or there like Taysom Hill. Maybe he will be put into goal line situations from five yards in. He'll just be another pest on this team, vulturing touchdowns from the players that we really want and the players that we need to score. So as far as I'm concerned in fantasy football circles, he's going undrafted as he should be and nobody should be drafting Tim Tebow to be their tight end. I know the tight end position is scarce, but until we see more of how they'll utilize Tim Tebow, you can fully ignore him. Well, that's our show for today. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Again, if you missed any of the previous episodes covering the AFC East or the AFC North, you're going to want to go back and take a listen. We have a lot of really good information in there, a lot of sleepers, a lot of gems. Go back and find out who they are. To review, I like Trevor Lawrence as a QB too. The Jaguars should be playing from behind most of the year due to the bad defense, and he has sneaky rushing ability similar to a Josh Allen where he should be able to produce enough rushing yards to help out each week while vulturing goal line touchdowns from time to time. I also love Travis Etienne as a flex player to start the year with potential to become a very solid RB2 and possibly low-end RB1. He's very familiar with his college quarterback from Clemson, and you can bet Urban Meyer will be using this guy at every opportunity he gets because they took him in the first round. First round running backs do not sit on the bench. I think we'll see more of a split in the beginning of the year, but as the season goes on, he'll get more and more carries similar to what Jonathan Taylor did last year. Stay away from James Robinson. His stock is way down. The coaching staff has no attachment to him. 
And if he's going to split carries with anybody, it will be the new running back, Carlos Hyde, that they brought in in free agency. And if he's going to split carries with anybody, it won't be with ETN. It will be with Carlos Hyde. My favorite wide receiver on this team and biggest sleeper of the year is LaVisca Chenault as he enters his sophomore year. You can get him as a late ninth round pick. His measurables are off the charts. He came on super strong at the end of the year once he adjusted to the NFL speed, which is a great indicator for success this year. And he was surprisingly elite against man coverage. He is the prime candidate to be a booming fantasy superstar. Someone you can throw in your flex early and by the end of the year, be your strong wide receiver two with possible potential to be a wide receiver one. Stay away from Tim Tebow on Sundays unless you plan on going to church and saying a couple Our Fathers. I'm sure he'll get a few touchdowns during the season, but it's too unpredictable until we really see how heavily involved he will be in this offense. Tomorrow, we'll continue to break down the AFC South with the Tennessee Titans, followed by Friday's episode where I'll have another special guest to break down the Indianapolis Colts. Until then, everyone enjoy your day, and we'll be back here tomorrow for another great episode on Fantasy NFL Today.